Hey kids, here's something that could really help us out. Wherever you choose to listen to this fine podcast, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and clicking subscribe, that would be great. Also, also very important, leave a rating and a review if you get a chance. You know, it doesn't have to be Shakespeare, just something. Make it funny. Be hilarious. It is somewhat satisfying for me uh, to watch Jeff Sessions grovel like <laughs> to Donald Trump, who just continues to crush him every single time and Sessions has to then swallow it and roll back out there and tell everybody how much he loves Trump again, which happened the day after the primary. Uh, Trump is, is tweeting about him again. And it's got to, God, it's got to kill him. I mean, how does, how do you vote for that guy who just keeps groveling? I don't understand. Welcome in to yet another week of Alabama politics this week. Uh, I am Josh Moon. That is David Person. <laughs> oh man, so good. <laughs> uh, we are, uh, you know, and I, I got to say, one of the things I've been, I have been very, very bad about doing here is number one, thanking the guests that are nice enough to come on here. So uh, we uh, we record this thing all out of order, and so Anthony Daniels, we've already talked to him, so I can go ahead and thank him now for coming <laughs> on. Uh, and and also the guy that makes the entirety of this thing work uh, here is, is Chip Brownlee, yeah. uh, who produces this, and and I have it, it, after. Each of the first two shows, I have thought, man, I really should have thanked Chip for doing the, the work over there because Chip does a lot of work. We, yeah. we, the things we have sent him, <laughs> they are not uh, professional grade quality at times, and 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 Chip has made them seem very very professional. Uh, he does a great job. Uh, he he does. He really cleans up a lot of a lot of stuff over there, and and we really do appreciate it. And you know, and one of these days we'll pay him, um, <laughs> so which will be nice for him. No, listen. We are uh, we are a couple of days now. We record this thing on Thursdays, and so we are uh, a couple of days post uh, Super Tuesday, which uh, you know may or may not have been super, depending on who your candidate was and how things went. And uh, I tell you this, man, I I like Bernie Sanders a lot. Okay, I do. I like the policies that he has. I think the the ideas that he pushes for the working class people uh, are something that has pushed the Democratic Party in the the appropriate directions uh, to getting back to caring about people that are going to work every single day and putting food on the table and and things like that and, and the way that they have been screwed over for years now. That said, man, those people that follow Bernie, those are some... Man, they do not play. Uh, you say something. You say something even semi crossways about Bernie, and you're having some troubles. Uh, they will fill up your mentions in a hurry. Uh, and so, but did you do something? I, I, did you all, say I, something? all I said was uh, I was not disappointed in in Joe Biden's resurgence here, mm-hmm. uh, and I felt as though Joe Biden gives the Democrats the best opportunity to control both the House and the Senate. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think he probably gives them their only chance to control the Senate simply because it puts 
so many people at ease with what's taking place in the Democratic Party and what is going to take place. And rightly or wrongly, and I think wrongly for the most part, there are a lot of people, even Democrats, who are nervous about someone calling themselves some type of socialist. Right. Uh, listen, I, yeah. I know that it'll drive you crazy if you are a Bernie supporter, and rightfully so. Right. I think that I it agree. is very misplaced. Mm -hmm. That said, to ignore that reality is very irresponsible if you're trying to push uh, a platform and push ideas because without the U.S. Senate, as we have seen, we cannot do anything, and we will continue to fall further behind in appointing judges uh, and appointing Supreme Court justices uh, and, and in any number of ways there. So, I, you know, as I have been, as I have famously said here now uh, no, uh, numerous times, I believe any Democratic candidate was probably going to beat Donald Trump, okay, uh, just because I— it was such a fluke the first time. I don't think that there was anybody that could have. There's no way if people are actually paying attention that a Donald Trump slides through the back door twice. You know, I just don't think so. Uh, and so I, to me, it's all about what you can do legislatively, uh, you know, and, and, and picking up those seats uh, that you need to control and being able to put forth the legislation, even if it's not the most perfect legislation in your mind, at least it is moving in that direction where the other alternative, I believe, is is just stagnation. Well, I, I see it as, uh, well, I agree with you, first of all, and I see it as, as the age-old tug of war between purist and pragmatist. So to me, the reality is, as you said, to deny the stigma Mm -hmm. That is still attached, and I would argue unfairly yes. attached to a person who declares that he or she is a democratic socialist is denial. Yeah. To to ignore that is denial that is dangerous. It's mm -hmm. a dangerous kind of denial, especially with what's at stake in the country right now. We gotta get rid of Trump. Yeah. We gotta get rid of Trump. Trump has to go, mm -hmm. and really honestly, not just Trump, but Pence, mm -hmm. even though. In all honesty, if Trump had been removed after he was impeached, I could have lived with a Pence presidency, you know, for that short period of time only because, <clears throat> only because, not because I agree with his policies mm -hmm. or the direction he would take the country in, because I actually think he's more dangerous. Mm -hmm. He's more of a right wing religious fundamentalist than Trump. Trump is not a religious Oh, he's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, Mike yeah. Pence is way, way, way oh, out yeah. there. But yeah, he's handmade still crazy. I mean, yeah. Legit. Well, no, no. I agree. I yeah. agree. But I think, but I think what, but I think what he would have done was he would have at least restored some of the just the fundamental uh, kinds of expectations we have about presidential comportment. Yes. Yeah. And and I would like to see that, and that would at least give many of us an opportunity to just breathe again. Yeah. No, you it's, know. But yeah. but again, we got to get rid of Trump. We got to get rid of Pence. Yeah. You know, we got and, and, and we do, as you said, we've got to ensure that the down ballot people have a shot. Mm -hmm. And I just I hate to say it because I love Bernie. I do, too. But. Bernie comes with some baggage that I don't think yeah. we are further. We're not far enough down the road yet, historically speaking. Yeah. For that baggage to not really matter. Yeah. You know, I, I was. I was disappointed, uh, you know, a little bit in um, 
Elizabeth Warren's performance. Uh, I'll tell you that, you know, I, I, I just felt like mm-hmm. she kind of got punished for having a plan, uh, you know, and, and putting everything on paper. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just, I, I don't, you look at the qualifications, you, you look how she just annihilated Michael Bloomberg uh, there, which, you know, we should probably speak on Michael Bloomberg's performance in this state, especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the the trip to Selma, which was a disaster uh, with the folks turning their backs on him and uh, in the church, and uh, that, that didn't go well. But, you know, overall, it just, you know, I am I can live with Joe Biden. Uh, I think Joe Biden is a decent person. Uh, I think Joe Biden has has some has some problems in his past, as I think a lot of older white people do. Straight uh, up, yeah. yeah. What you just said is straight up indisputable. Yeah, uh, you and know I, they I, do. And I think that that's again we're talking about pragmatism mm-hmm. here. I think that black voters in the Democratic Party and just across the board have had to be the most pragmatic voters of all because of the history of our country mm-hmm. and the fact that we're not far removed from that history. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about slavery. I'm yeah. talking about Jim Crow. Yeah. I'm talking about lynching. I'm talking about redlining mm-hmm. and all of these sorts of things. Yeah, the crazy so, crime bills that right. they put up. You know, yeah, the crazy crime the, bills. The stop and frisk. You know, I mean, all that stuff in the right. last decade or so. We've, we've had to be pragmatic. You know, I can't tell you how. I think most black people go to the polls you know, most of us go to the polls holding our noses mm-hmm. and thinking about, well, who's the lesser of the evils? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just the reality of being black yeah. in America. So yeah. I agree with you. But having said that, uh, Biden, I think, is generally a good guy. Um, I don't have, you know, in fact, I'm not even going to say generally a good guy. I think he is a good guy. Mm-hmm. I think he wants I, to be a good guy. Right. He and wants I, to be a decent person. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything right. that he stands for or has stood for. But I think he generally wants to be a good guy doing the right thing Mm -hmm. for as many people as possible. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, I heard somebody, I can't remember, might have, might've actually been a comedian, uh, say that, you know, that Joe Biden, it was, it was very important to a lot of of black voters that Joe Biden, uh, had a a black boss for, for eight years, uh, you know, that, uh, that he worked with and that, uh, and that he knew for eight years that. And gave the utmost respect to uh, deference. And not just Obama, you know, there were a number of, of people of African-American, uh, descent that were there that were working in that white house and mm. he you know he worked great with all of them and 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 deferred on most things to those people and, and, we don't, and, and people paid attention to that and, and i would tell you for black folks that goes a long yeah. way because i'm telling you as a black man who has worked in this country mm. you know for as a professional mm-hmm. for for over 30 years uh there have been plenty of times yeah when I and I know other black people have felt like these white people don't want to work with me because I'm black. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, this white person doesn't want to listen to me because I'm black. Yeah. Not because I don't have the skill set, not mm-hmm. because I don't have the, the demonstrated track record of doing good mm-hmm. work, et cetera, et cetera. But it's because of skin color. Yeah, the, it, yeah, I, I've I've been and noticed in, in, in a number of settings, uh, you know, for years that the times where it's not it's not as uh, overt sometimes it's a lot of times it's the dismissal of, of ideas mm-hmm. and, and notions just simply and you're, and you're like, why are you just dismissing? you know, right. uh, a number of times where I've said essentially the same thing as a, as a black coworker or a black colleague has said, and uh, people are like, yeah, that's exactly what we should do. And I'm like, 
Well, you taking my word for it. It was his idea, right. you know. Exactly. And, uh, just exactly. you yeah. know, I, I, so yeah, I, I think that 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 does go a long way. And I, you know, I, I, I I'm yeah, I think Biden is going to have his issues, uh, but mm-hmm. I think overall the decency kind of wins out in the end. And I think that's really uh, what they're going to try to uh, uh, try to make this election about is is a restoring of that decency of the country that, yeah. that has eroded over the past few years. And, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say I need to throw out one caveat, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Biden and, and I'm not even going to say and I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to be transparent. I didn't vote for Biden in the primary. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be transparent about that. But I can live with him. Right. But the caveat is he has got to select a person of color mm-hmm. to be his running mate. Otherwise, the goodwill that he has built with the black community, mm-hmm. I think, is going to result in not black people voting for Trump in mass, mm-hmm. but in black people not, not voting. voting. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, I, I and got, other people of color, right? And and I got into a little bit of a spat, uh, I guess we could call it online yesterday with uh, someone who, th- who felt like I was blaming uh, black voters for Trump, and and it wasn't at all what I was saying, but that was a factor in the 2016 election. In, that in certain cities, uh, especially in the Midwest, uh, there there the turnout of black voters was not as high in these major cities uh, that they as expected uh, and certainly not enough to offset the the surge or the turn in rural voters uh, there in those states. And that's what basically led to Trump winning here, you know, where if you turn my, my argument was is if you turn any one little piece of these certain little things that fell right into place perfectly for this moron to walk into the White House, then, you know, it, it turns for any Democratic candidate. So, uh, to me, the difference is real simple. And I, and I don't have any problem with your observation. I think it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's uh, pejorative, innately pejorative at all. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or even, you know, or even slightly pejorative, mm-hmm. even outside of innately. But let me say this. Here's the problem, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party does not take its base for granted, especially, and I'm going to say even especially under Trump. Mm -hmm. They have made sure Trump has receipts that he can deliver to his people to say, this is what I've done for you. Yeah. Right. The Democratic Party does not, has not. And I'm, you know, look, I've been voting mostly Democrat all my life. Mm hmm. And I am absolutely sold out to the Democratic Party uh, these days, you know, for for the past few years. Once I, in fact, once I pretty much once I stepped out of journalism, Mm -hmm. you know, I just I was able to go full hog. Yeah. But let me say this. The Democratic Party has not delivered in the ways that it could have and should have to people of color Mm -hmm. and not just people of color. But to women, mm-hmm. and not just to women, but to people on the LGBTQ spectrum, mm-hmm. and 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 to people across the religious spectrum, whether you are an atheist, agnostic, a Muslim, a Sikh, or a Christian, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party has not done a good job of that. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party has got to do a better job of that. Yeah. Otherwise, people won't vote, and they just gotta they gotta come to grips with that. Yeah, it's a, you know a lot of times they get caught up. Uh, too much in the uh, what everybody thinks uh, sort of thing, and, and they try to appease everybody at the same time. Where you know Republicans very rarely have that 
have that qualm about trying to appease everybody. They know who they're, 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 uh, who butters the bread, uh, there and they're, they're going to appease those people. And so, you know, speaking of the Republicans, you know, before we, before we get out here and, and, and get Anthony Daniels on, uh, mm-hmm. we probably need to talk for a moment about the, uh, the Senate race, uh, here, the Senate primary, GOP yeah. primary, yeah. and, uh, where, um, everyone's favorite Keebler elf, uh, <laughs> Uh, came in second. Why uh, is it that every time you say that, I know exactly? Yeah. What you're talking about. Oh well, yeah. Every time I, I said this on Twitter the other night too. Every single time I hear uh, Jeff Sessions or I watch Jeff Sessions speak, mm-hmm. I expect a possum's tail to rise up behind him at, at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's um, funny. You know, wow. you know the, the SNL character. You know, uh, Kate McKinnon funny. plays uh, plays him as a possum, uh, and so it's. But you know, so he came in second to uh, to Tuberville. They're going to have a runoff, mm-hmm. and, and probably Sessions is probably going to win, just the way the demographics sh- you shake think so? out. I, you know, I would like it if Tuberville did, uh, just because I think Tuberville gives Doug Jones his best chance to win. I agree. Um, I agree. Uh, because, I, I, in yeah. fact, I think yeah, I think that's absolutely. Yeah, important. you look you look at where Sessions is strong. Uh, and that is where that is where Doug Jones uh, pulls the majority of his uh, support from the middle, mm-hmm. uh, and that's in the suburbs, and that's white suburban women. And Sessions does pretty well among that group of people, and um, and Tommy Tuberville does well in the rural areas where Doug Jones is never going to get a vote. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never, he's, he's just not for the most part going to get many of those votes. And so, uh, you know, I think that that uh, it works better. But I think just if you look at way the way things shook out. With Bradley Byrne uh, pulling in, you know, what, 20 some odd percent of the vote, uh, that a lot of that was in that mobile area. And, mm. and if you look at who was second in that area, it was Sessions and not Tuberville. Tuberville was a distant third. And I think that mm. that really hurts. Uh, but, you know, I think that um, it, it is it is somewhat satisfying for me uh, to watch Jeff Sessions grovel like a pathetic man. To Donald Trump, who yeah. just continues to crush him every single time, and Sessions has to then swallow it and roll back out there and tell everybody how much he loves Trump again, which happened the day after the primary. Uh, Trump is, is tweeting about him again, mm-hmm. and it's got God, it's got to kill him. Don't, I mean, how does how do you vote for that guy who just keeps groveling? I don't understand. You know, I think I think people, I think for his for the Trump constituency. He doesn't have any choice. He's got to do it. He's got to take it. And I think, and I actually think that that actually plays well in this state. I think a lot of people like the idea that Sessions has not lowered himself the way Trump continues to lower himself. My sense, my read is I I saw a guy um, uh, on one of the networks during the Super Tuesday coverage. He was in a northern state. And I'm going to quote what the guy said. Normally, I don't use this; wouldn't use this word in a uh, in a broadcast or a podcast. But I'm going to quote him directly. He said, uh, "Trump says some." He said, "Trump says some stupid shit." Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Uh, but he said, "But I like the guy's attitude, and I like the way the guy kind of. Uh, uh, I think he he might have said something along the lines of just the the." Uh, Somebody in the White House who who kind of sacks up, I think is the term mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. used. 
or, or something like that. And I think that's the I think that's the idea that a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. They look at Trump and they say, yeah, he says a lot of stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know what? He he pre projects something that we feel has been missing. People misread the persona mm -hmm. of Barack Obama. Yeah. They saw it as weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, it was prop yeah, he was professorial and kind of elegant and kind of in a post JFK kind of way. Mm -hmm. But they misread that as weakness. Mm -hmm. And so I think they they like the idea of the bull in the china shop who doesn't give a damn. Mm -hmm. They like that. Yeah. And so they like the false bravado. No, I mean, really, yes. it's, it's false strength. Yes. It's it's, it's yes. false strength yes. built on uh, on words and um, you know, and, and it's in and, and really ignorance. Uh, you know, it really is. It's it's a it's a covering of the ignorance that you have by with with this bravado that it is that doesn't work anymore in, yeah. in the world, and especially among smart people and, and smart leaders. They they see through it. They understand what he's doing, uh, you know, and, and, and really it's kind of a bullying tactic mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you're right. And, as a matter of fact, I wrote not long after the election that Obama uh, was probably the, the strongest man in America uh, for what he endured for the eight years that he was there, the, the attacks on his wife and his children, mm -hmm. uh, and, and always always rising above that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and representing the country in a way that everybody could be proud of yeah, all, the time. Right. all the time. Uh, and, and, and no scandals, no prostitutes. No, pro providing, uh, the, the, the most perfect image of, uh, of a husband and a father mm -hmm. that you could ever hope to have in that office. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and he took unending <clears throat> amounts of crap yeah. for that. And, and I'm sorry, I said no prostitutes. I should have said no porn stars. Yeah. I need to be accurate. Yeah, no, porn right. no porn stars that you paid off. Right. Uh, so, but really did uh all right that's uh that's that's the open and so i think we did well there uh we're gonna we're gonna come back we're gonna get uh, anthony daniels in here we're gonna talk about things going on in the state and some legislation that they're pushing the democrats are are, are behind to try to make things a little better for uh, for working folks around here and uh we will continue right after this we're right back alabama politics this week Welcome back. That is uh, that is Johnny Varis and his uh, his band, the Electric Blue Yonder. Uh, we we mentioned them last week, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, man, that it is that is they have some really good stuff. They they dropped the album. As a matter of fact, they dropped the album, and they had a huge turnout in Montgomery uh, for for that uh, for the album release last weekend. And uh, they are gonna be at, in Texas uh, at an art festival there at uh, Lilano. 
right? Yeah, Lilano uh, Art Festival and uh, East Art Festival in uh, in Lilano, Texas, uh, uh, on the fourteenth of this month. When is that? A couple weeks. And then uh, I got the Third Streak Songwriters Fest on the 20th through the 22nd, Susto at Saturn on the 27th, and then on the 29th, they're back in Montgomery here uh, at the Aviator Bar for a post-Jason Isbell show. So y'all go check them out and and really look them up on uh, uh, on anything uh, where, you, where you get music from, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google, uh, all those places. They Electric Blue Yonder uh, and and download some of their stuff because it is it really is it's yeah. it's it is quality stuff. I think you were saying it was like kind of sound like a Prince opening to that. Well, thing. yeah, that one reminds me of the Prince song "Colonized Mind," huh. which I really really love. One of my favorite Prince songs. Oh, nice, nice. So I thought maybe they uh, maybe maybe Prince helped them out. I don't know. That's or maybe they ripped them off. Well, I don't know if they ripped them off. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Uh, everything is just everything at this joking. point is a rip off, just you know. Joking. Uh it's uh I think that it it was uh you know, imitation is the sincerest form Indeed. of flattery, right? Indeed, right? it is. All right, and what regardless, uh Electric Blue Yonder plays in our uh, our next guest at which is Anthony Daniels, house minority leader and uh all around good guy and uh Anthony, welcome to the program. Glad to have you Thank on. You. Thank you. Uh, I guess just first of all, Anthony, how are things going? Uh, how bad have the Republicans screwed things up? Uh, and are we going to survive it this time? Well, you know, Josh, it, I tell you, this year is a very interesting year. Um, I think that um, for the most part, we are kind of working together, uh, it, which is which oftentimes is, is, is um, you know, it, it's a good thing. It's healthy for, for our democracy uh, expression area. Wait, 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 wait. I, I'm sorry. I, I think I might have taken a blow to the head. Did you say y'all are working together? We are, man. We're working together on things like mental health and and um, and other other areas. And so um, it's well, that is great to hear. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. Uh, we'll just you know see how long this this lasts. What I know that that you have uh, some some specific things, and you mentioned mental health. So let's go go to that first. I know that you have. Uh, an initiative that that you're trying to push there that has shown some effectiveness in the past in, in working in uh, with local sh- uh, law enforcement and mental health professionals, and I I guess just kind of talk and tell people what what you're trying to do, what that initiative is, and 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 how receptive people have been to it. Well, the initiative, Josh, as you know, uh, mental health is a, a serious issue, uh, not just in our state and our communities, but across the country. And so, you know, it's it's that we're at a point to where it's, we're, we're practically in, in crisis mode. And so uh, there's a program called the Step It Up program that, uh, you know, is a national program that's just really been helping uh, reduce uh, the number of individuals with mental illnesses from going into, uh, you know, reentering or, or, or in that revolving door going back to jail, especially in the lo- local levels. But and so you know even in the hospitals, right? Um, reducing the the number of folks uh, uh, that are going to the hospital as well for um, a, a mental illness. And so uh, the Step It Up program is a program. Uh, for example, the one in Morgan County, uh, less than seven percent reoffend uh, or go back into jail uh, the first six months of the program. And then what you've seen is you've seen they three times. Um, um, they're three times less likely to go um, to an emergency room. 
And so uh, that's that's good news and, and for us. And I, we believe that this program is, you know, evidence-based program that has been effective across the country. Uh, and more than 500 counties across the, uh, across the nation have signed on to the program, including 15 of those counties in the state of Alabama. Mm. So, Anthony, uh, do you believe that this is something that's going to be of interest to DAs and also to the attorney general, because there tends to be a very sort of rigid law enforcement or or law and order kind of approach to legal issues and justice issues in our state. I think so. Um, I think that um, uh, this is something that, um, you know, is going to really help us. I think that we realize that mental health has been um, a crisis for some time. Um, I think that I'll be very surprised if uh, the attorney general, anyone else intervene in, in the progress that we're trying to make. Because at the end of the day, um, we want to make certain that the people of Alabama and the people of this nation are well. And we want to make certain that we're not uh, incarcerating individuals based upon a mental illness. And we want to train our law enforcement uh, and our educators uh, on how to deal with or handle uh, situations relative to someone with a mental illness. Because in many of our families, um, David, you know, many of us have people in our families or friends that we know that have a mental illness. And so right now, I think that it's great that the state of Alabama has um, started to really take note of this and really focus on it um, because it's been a problem for some time. You know, I think you're right. And, and you know, the uh, the the sheriffs uh, and people that I've talked to, you know, they're, they're looking for for some kind of help. Uh, on this, uh, you know, especially the smaller community folks, you know, they're they're trying desperately to get some sort of help in, in there to to address these issues because their their jails are, are overcrowded at this point, and you know, and it's just a I think it's a it's a matter of just kind of helping uh, where you know we, you see a problem and, and you you've got to you got to help it, and uh, you know at at the same time I think there there is another uh, along those same lines there's another initiative uh, that y'all are pushing here which is the affordable housing uh bill uh that that is going to address a problem that pe- a lot of people have had and being able to just get themselves into a home uh into an apartment especially uh here and if i'm not mistaken that is going to kind of replace uh security deposits is that's what you're, you're looking for an insurance policy that's going to replace security deposits what it, how does that work how to you know explain to me what what that does for people well, what it does is, um, Josh, it's, you know, a person, for example, a, a young person uh, that's, you know, fresh out of college, graduated from college, uh, and with the, you know, they will have an opportunity instead of paying a month and a half rent up front, and we know the cost of rent is skyrocketing every day. Uh, I'd be surprised if anyone can find a decent um, apartment, for, uh, rent, renting an apartment in less than $800. And so if you're renting an apartment, your your security deposit can be up to about $1,200 a month and a half rent, right? And so what this will do is give that person an opportunity to, to have insurance that secure both them as well as the actual landlord. And so what will end up happening is low and very moderately uh, monthly payments on insurance uh, just in case something happens where the place is trashed or something. And, you know, a lot, oftentimes they take that deposit if something 
is wrong with the actual apartment after you um, your rent is up, right? And so in this case, you'll be able to save, you know, at least a thousand dollars of that twelve hundred dollars um, to to be able to help you start start your savings uh, to to be able to um, you know pay a down make a down payment on a house and also put you know put dollar money in your pocket because right now in the United States the average person is, is uh, um, has four hundred dollars. And so uh, with that, you know, with that, you know, being able to to give them some relief is something that I'm that I'm very interested in. It's not necessarily just for college students. It's for everyone, you know, individuals that want to get on the right track to be able to, um, you know, buy their own home. Because at the end of the day, it should be about putting folks on the trajectory to um, to to be able to be homeowners, become homeowners and not handicap them or, or keep them from being able to to make that next step. And so that's that's the purpose of the, the housing bill. Uh, uh, the we call the renter's choice act. Uh, but also uh, another issue that we want to focus on as it relates to housing is putting more money into the the housing trust fund. You know, a lot of times in the state of Alabama, we want to create these funds, but we are continuing to do these unfunded mandates, right? We want to say, okay, this is what we're going to do to help, but there's no resources going with it. And so this, that way we'll be able to remove, you know, the barrier and also start focusing on uh, figuring out ways to, to, to take control of rent and, and, and be able to, to uh, give people an opportunity to be able to afford to, to live and play in this state. So, Anthony, when I first heard you talk about this at a town hall forum you did in Huntsville, I, I was really intrigued. I thought there was a real genius to this idea. But I, I'd like to better understand, I'm talking about the Renter's Choice Act. I'd like to better understand uh, how it will actually be implemented. Um, can you can you talk through conceptually how you see it actually um, being executed for a specific person? Or, or family. Well, uh, so, you know, Dave, for example, if um, I go to, an, they're doing it in, in, in Cincinnati. So there is an example of it actually happening somewhere, right? Um, what we're trying to do is if a person goes and rent uh, a family of four, right? Um, that is probably making minimum wage, a little bit over minimum wage, and they're going to try to rent an apartment uh, or it's, you know, the rent may be seven, $800 a month on a $26,000 salary. Right. Um, and so what it'll do is it'll allow that person the opportunity to opt out of actually paying the security deposit, but also, but begin paying low, uh, monthly payments, no different than car insurance, right. Is, you know, whether it's, $20 a month, $30 a month, a nominal fee that will then, you know, allow you the opportunity to start to start saving money long term. Uh, right now in the, in the United States of America, the security deposits goes into this lockbox, $45 billion a year. <laughs> That's a, yeah, you well, you know, the the overall cost, if you do the math, so let's say you're gonna you're you're a family of four like he's talking about and right. uh you're you're renting an apartment for eight hundred bucks, you need first and last month's rent and a and a month and a half security deposit, so all of a sudden you're looking at twenty eight hundred dollars rolling sure. in there, you know, and that's sure. a that's a crazy amount for a lot of people. Well, absolutely, and that's and that's what why I love this idea, what it will offer for families. What I'm wondering is let me be more specific. 
will the renters be getting the insurance through the apartment complex or the developer or will this or will there be a central body that they will that all renters will be able to go to i mean how do you how do you see that being executed well insurance companies will just offer this as a um a item that they cover um and so you can go to you'll be able to go to any insurance company to buy this insurance there are some insurance companies that may not offer it as a um, you know, as a service, but there are others that, you know, that are in other places uh, that, that may, you know, offer it as a service. And so I just see this uh, being something where the private sector is actually engaging. Government-wise, um, I think that for us, it is making certain that this is an option, that, that working families have an option. Right now, they have no option. Right. Right. Hey, let's it, it, let's shift, if you don't mind, to something else that I've heard you talk about that I think is really important in the state of Alabama, and that's maternal mortality. If I remember correctly, you said that 43% of all Alabama cities don't have access to an obstetrician-gynecologist, and that you want to see the state of Alabama begin to address this to reduce the deaths of mothers while giving birth. Can you talk a little bit about some of the ideas you have for addressing that problem? Well, one of the things that we're, we're bringing forth this year and, and with the governor's help is adding more um, resources to the commission that deals with uh, maternal mortality, um, but giving them a charge of um, uh, and a responsibility um, of focusing on women of color. Right now, we are, you know, you're seeing more women of color dying during childbirth three times as much as those that are not. And so the goal would be for this commission to work with the Medical Association and other physicians and research institutions to start digging deeper when it comes to the quality and the, the care of women of color. You know, oftentimes you, you find that, that individuals of, of color they're not necessarily, it's not, uh, physicians are, are, are not really understanding the, the cultural aspect of it, right? And so you, the quality of, the, the, the type of care for one person is not a one-size-fit-all approach. And so that's why we're pushing for uh, more research dollars, uh, dollars so that we can do more research in this particular area. Uh, and yes, 43% of uh, Alabamians uh, counties don't have access to an don't have an LBGYN there, and so we have to continue to focus on ways to attract OBGYN and incorporate telemedicine uh, and and other uh, and, and also uh, nurse practitioners. We're looking at adding the number of increasing the number of nurse practitioners and also expanding their their scope of work because right now they're very limited on their on what they can do. Uh, in their scope of work with a physician not being on site. I think I know a way uh, to <laughs> uh, to expand, so, shall we say, uh, the the opportunities for healthcare uh, throughout Ooh. the state. Uh, if maybe we could call it, uh, you know, Trump Care, uh, you mm. know, and, and it would it would be more, whatever you got to call it. If we could expand Medicaid in this state. Uh, there are so many things that we could do, and we could have probably saved the hospital over in Pickens County 
this yeah. week uh, that, that's yeah, going to close. Right. And uh, that was, if I'm not mistaken, that's number 17 in 10 years uh, that it's closed. That's just shameful. Um, Absolutely. You know, where is there any any hope whatsoever uh, of getting to this point uh, of expanding Medicaid and seeing the benefits of doing so? Well, Josh, we're going to continue to push for uh, Medicaid expansion, and our caucus position and belief is that uh, Medicaid expansion not only solves the problem of uh, for access and opportunity, it also solves the solves the problem of uh, restarting our economy. Uh, especially in a lot of these rural areas. Um, research, uh, one of the articles that I read indicated that Alabama uh, had 27 out of Alabama's 67 counties had an increase of growth in poverty. 27 out of 67 in, in, in counties. In the strongest, in the strongest economy ever, I've heard, uh, right, you know, right, uh, right. From, from some guy. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking uh, of access, and I, you know, I, I don't. I, I think we all know where we are with with Medicaid expansion at this point here. So, I, and I don't want to seem like I'm just shuffling it off to the side. But I mean, we are where we are here. But there is, I think, maybe one one place we can't expand access, and that is to uh, to pre K. Uh, and I know that is going to be a big push uh, upcoming for uh, for the caucus. Uh, I guess talk about a little bit about where where you think y'all are with that, and and the conversations that you've had with the other side of the aisle. Yeah, so what we've done is we're adding uh, more classrooms. The governor know that um, this is a priority of mine and a priority for the state of Alabama, but this is just something that I've been championing for a, a couple of years. In fact, I worked closely with, um, with Secretary Ross and Dr. Barbara Cooper on making certain that communities around the state of Alabama are, one, applying for, um, you know, um, funding to add pre-K classrooms. And there should not be waiting lists around the state of Alabama for young people to be on a waiting list trying to get access to pre-K. We have to make certain that we are we are uh, really diligent and, and very, um, you know, making certain that we're focusing on getting as many young people as possible into our pre-K programs. Um, but beyond pre-K, you know, Josh, you know, I'm talking about pre-K, but you know, 90% of the child brain development is from birth to five years old. So if we know that 90% of the brain is developed by the age of five, from birth to five, why aren't we focusing on cradle or birth to pre-K? That should be what we should be focusing on. Even with it makes delivery system, whether it's public, private, or what have you, it is absolutely critical that we do that because if we're building prisons, based upon third te- third grade test scores, let's, l- let's focus on educating and making those investments on the front end because every dollar that you put in pre-K, it saves $7 in corrections. Well, what, so what are you, what are you, what are your, what's your assessment? What's your prognosis? Do you think that this, uh, this can move forward? Legislatively, and is this something the governor's willing to to back? Absolutely, I'm I'm very optimistic about it. I think that what we where our problem is, David, is is that um, in these communities around the state of Alabama, um, we got to do more outreach to educate families about the oppor- the opportunity or the option for their children to go into pre K. Instead of waiting for them to come to us, we have to go to them. And so it's it's a mutual mutual thing because at the end of the day, 
um, the child can't make that decision themselves. And nor can they do they choose or able to choose the families that they're born into. And so we should not allow a situation, a family situation, to determine the progress or lack of progress for any child in Alabama. You know, you mentioned kind of uh, from from birth to, or from cradle to age age five. There, you know, I I can't help but 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 wonder, you know, what life would be like for a, for a lot of families in this state uh, if there were more affordable child care options or there were there were help. Uh, with, with child care uh, out there for, you know, for working mothers, uh, you know, it, it is, if anybody has recently tried to foot the bill, uh, mm. and I'm, I'm currently footing one, so I have a little bit of experience in this. And uh, I mean, it is, it, it's astounding what, what a, a quality child care establishment will cost you, uh, you know, and, and, in certain cities, uh, you know, Madison Huntsville being one of them, where there is uh, more demand than there are facilities, it seems they can charge whatever they like, and it's it is astronomical, and it certainly prices people out of this, and it hurts the people who need the child care the most. I mean, I, I don't want to belittle you know the, the necessity of child care for people in you know in the middle class or upper upper middle class, but you know, those folks who are, are just above the poverty level or at the pov- poverty level. Uh, you know, trying to find quality places to leave their children so they can get to work and pay the bills. It's, it's non-existent out there. It is not. And that's why, you know, I'm push, I've been pushing so hard and our caucus has been pushing so hard on this particular issue. And but, you know, we, we think uh, we're thankful to have partners uh, like Secretary Ross and, and, and her staff, and Dr. Cooper and others. And, and a lot of the other agencies, uh, DHR, they're they're beginning to have conversations. Right. Uh, one of the things that we we got to look at is we got to look at the whole child, right? And but we also have the educated parents. I think in Union Springs, Alabama, they're starting a um, something similar to a baby college where they're educating parents uh, on why it's important for their child to go to a quality early childhood education program and what can they do at home to really help with their children. Um, you know, children's education or uh, why it's important to go to that doctor's appointment and why is it important to look for different signs on, uh, you know, whether it's a, a child that have, you know, have some, some type of, uh, um, you know, health issues and how, you know, not going to the dentist could impact a child's learning and, and not being, you know, a child sitting in a classroom, uh, never been to an eye doctor, but can't really see the board or what the teacher is doing and how it, years go by before anyone figure out that that child can not, can't see. And so having wraparound services and everyone accountable to make certain that these children have what they need to be successful, you know, giving them the tools is one thing. But if I can't see the board or if I have an abscess in my mouth, what do you think that's going to do? That that's going those are distractions and those are things that are barriers. And so, but if I if every child, you know, the child had to go through a sick uh uh to um, you know, do an eye uh, you know, a test, go to the eye doctor to kind of read the screen and you can detect that early on. And so but a parent may not necessarily think about that. And so there are a lot of different conditions that impacts a child learning and the outcome of learning long term. And so we just have to make certain that we are 
um, a are, are are being more intentional and more preventative on the preventative side to 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 really make make these things work out for our children. Yeah, th- this is what I love about the Democratic Party and what I love about you know the progressive liberal side of the ideological spectrum. These are the kinds of things that we should be talking about, that government should be working on and committed to, and we just don't see that enough under these conservative Republican administrations. I'm sorry, and that's not to disparage anybody, but we just simply do not see this or hear this enough. I want to switch topics real quick, as I know you've got to go. Uh, can you give us just your your quick assessment of what happened on Super Tuesday. <laughs> Super Tuesday was super for some and not for others. Um, <laughs> um, well, here for my assessment is um, the biggest uh, hero or person that we, that, you know, this I think is probably uh, that when history is written, saved our democracy is Jim Clyburn. Um I think at the end of the day, um, he told Biden's story better than Biden told his story. And he made people feel comfortable. You know, we saw the vice president um, in many of these debates uh, where he was the, um, the, 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 the punching bag, basically. Um, and um, what you saw was, uh, whether you agree with it or not, I think Bloomberg basically field jumped in and took some pressure off of Biden really in those debates where Biden was able to then find his voice. And, and I think that at that particular point, the coalition that was built in South Carolina uh, really propelled all the way through the country. So South Carolina was Joe Biden. I mean, it was, was Obama's Iowa for Joe. Right. When people like like think about where you were, Josh and David, where you had no idea or never thought that Obama would be able to win the election. I had doubts myself, but it was Iowa, Iowa that showed us that, you know, America is changing. And there are opportunities for people that work hard. And so for South Carolina, for Joe, it just reassured to everyone, you know, that saw those debates and saw him getting beat up all the, in those debates. And, you know, been the, he was the topic of the discussion. He was the punching bag. But South Carolina showed us that he is the he was the person um, that, you know, he's a person that held the president's back, you know, for all these the, for eight years. He's a person that that folks are comfortable with. And so, you know, it's hard to really convince people anything different. Um, I think that the race is long from being over um, and we shouldn't be taking anything for granted. Um, I think that, um, you know, regardless of what the pundits may say, um, I think that a combination of, of Jim Clyburn and, and, and actually Mike Bloomberg, because, you know, stepping in and being the punching bag to someone that's used to being the punching bag and uh, in a debate, and, and yet that person gets to start throwing punches, right, uh, and show strength and, and, and find their voice. And I think that's the combination of the two is really what has 
propel uh, Vice President Biden. And, and those other uh, candidates that got out of the race, um, obviously that shares a similar political ideology, um, also did what was best for the, they felt was best for our democracy by getting out and getting behind Biden. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, we cannot dismiss um, the policies that uh, Senator Sanders is pushing as uh, things that we shouldn't have discussions about. I think it's I think it's something that we should have debate about. Uh, and, 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 and but I think at the end of the day, we have to be realistic about uh, what we can and cannot do and have to be realistic about. Are the fear of losing Congress and possibly further having uh, a deficit in the Senate, right? And, and, and think about who's going to set, whoever is elected is going to set the tone for the Supreme Court and these federal judges around the country and these U.S. attorneys and the idea and the policies from HHS and the policies from you know Department of Ed and and Commerce, and so it's time. For Democrats to really look and say, our most important thing in this race, we may disagree with, with whoever the nominee is on a few issues, but there's nothing we agree with this current president on. And let's unify. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, that's the main message that, that needs to be pushed over and over and over again and that people need to realize, I think, is, uh, is you know, no matter what small disagreements uh, everybody has uh, within the party, uh, the the major disagreement you have with with the, this fool in the White House and and what he what he's done over the past four years and and what you can't allow to happen over the next four years. But listen, I know I know you got to get back to work. I know you're in Montgomery. I know you're, you're handling business and and so we we do appreciate you giving us the time uh, this morning and uh, and coming on the show and for and for all the work. Uh, and I, I know uh, a lot of the things that that uh, that Anthony Daniels does is behind the scenes, and so a lot of people don't get to see that and see what has kind of been done for the party uh, and for candidates that are out there. But those of us who know, know. And so uh, we, we appreciate that work and, and, and being on the podcast here with us this morning. Thank you, sir. Well, David and Josh, thank you guys for what you're doing to elevate uh, the voices of Alabama that has been missing for so long uh, is being able to tell both sides of the story and being able to give individuals that are passionate about our democracy and, and the future of our country and our state uh, a platform to be able to share uh, those experiences. And so thank you guys for um, standing up um, and even when no one else will stand. And and so thank you for your bravery and what you what you're doing to, to really help us get a message out there that um, tell the people of Alabama that uh, there are things happening and there are things not happening. But the things that are not happening are not happening because of one party or, or fashion. Awesome. Thanks. We're ha man. happy to do it. You. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right. That uh, was Anthony Daniels. Uh, I was, uh, man, that was good, good conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, right. Rich. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've always admired this about him. He's such a strategic thinker and a detail guy. Mm -hmm. um, he's very analytical in how he approaches um, politics and government. Yeah. And I think that that's that's to uh, that 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 weighs to the advantage of not just the Democratic Party, but I think to the people of Alabama. 
Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot of work and, and Anthony is, is one of those guys that, uh, has, has never really kind of worried about, um, he's one of the people that you need in a party because he, he doesn't, he, he'll do the work and, and it doesn't really worry about whether or not his name is at the, on the front of what's happening and what's taking place and whether everybody out there is giving him credit for what's being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you, those people are vital to the success of a party. I mean, the going out and the fundraising and, and grabbing candidates and things like that. And, and he's done a lot of it. All righty. Let's, uh, let's slide out. Uh, and then we'll be back here in a moment to, to kind of wrap things up and give you your another week and, uh, you know, and, uh, close things out to also have to talk about this, uh, Nathaniel Woods, uh, case in the uh, execution all right we'll be right back on alabama politics this week Welcome back in. That uh, that is Shane Gillis, uh, G I L L I S, uh, and his very very eighties movie esque uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. soundtrack uh, kind of music there. That uh, honestly, it sounds like. Uh, and before I, I move, you, you can find all of Shane's stuff uh, at, at Bandcamp. Just, just search his name, uh, Shane Gillis, and, and he's got a Bandcamp page, and so you can get all that stuff if, if it if it would fit what you're doing. And, and honestly, it, it really is great kind of bumper music. And, and if you're doing any sort of an '80s show, man, you would. I mean, that, that played over every like the soundtrack for about a thousand movies I watched in the late <laughs> '80s, early '90s. And and that's not. I'm not poking fun of that. It's great. Yeah. Brought back some memories. And and yeah. even. Um, the the Stranger Things uh, series kind of kind of kind of reminded me of uh, of some of the the music and things that went into that really high quality and and we really do appreciate everybody who has sent music Absolutely. in because it does Absolutely. it does make everything sound a little bit better and uh, you know and hopefully we have done a, an appropriate job kind of pushing everybody and and sending folks to your websites and 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 maybe maybe we've got some uh, some downloads and some money to some people that wouldn't have ordinarily had it but hope um, so hope so all right it's hope uh. So. Last segment, man. We're uh, we're gonna make this short because we listen to the people. Well, we are uh, we're responsive, and you know we know we went too long last week, so uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna try to keep this one to good just over. And yeah, you know, yeah, it was it was good interviews. Listen, I, I don't regret anything that we did. Uh, you know, we just uh, we had a lot of interviews, and then we had a lot of ground to cover going into things, and so it's that's how it works sometimes. But uh, uh, you know, the, the last segment here, you know, before we we get out, I wanted to mention it, and this will be. 
You know, it's kind of tough to do this on a podcast because, you know, you have a situation and, and you know it's there's going to be some resolution in some manner to it uh, here, and that is the Nathaniel Woods uh, execution that's scheduled to take place on, on Thursday night. We record early on Thursdays, and, um, and, and, and so we will know one way or the other before this podcast drops what, what happened. But no matter what happened here, that we got to this point is, is a problem. Uh, you know, I hope, I really, really hope that the the governor uh, steps in uh, or somebody somewhere steps in uh, and, and stops this because it, it's going to be a, a travesty if this moves forward here because you're going to, you uh, no doubt, no matter what, you know that you are going to execute a person who did not kill anybody. And everybody agrees on mm-hmm. that. Yep. Law enforcement as well as mm-hmm. others. The, the person, the law enforcement officer who was there, yeah, agrees. That's on that. right. That's right. They all agree with that. Uh, uh, so I would, I, I'm with you. Of course, I'm anti-death penalty. Period. I'm in the Brian Stevenson camp. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the state uh, should be killing people. I, I just don't believe it. But especially, mm-hmm. especially in a case where you know that no capital crime was actually committed by that person. Yeah. I don't know how you justify. I, I don't either. Uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I am almost anti-death penalty, mm-hmm. As, and, and every time that I get there, every time that I get to the point where I think, all right, that's that's it. We can't we can't do this anymore. Somebody does something to a kid or, mm-hmm. or an elderly person, and I just I can't. You know what? We'd be better off without them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's, that's all I think. And and I I respect and I understand the arguments on the other side of this. I know the problems that are there, uh, but there it, there is that that just. You know, uh, it, it just angers me to the point where I can, I, it, you know, I just can't get there all the way. But in, in I think that you have to be so sure of what you're doing yes. uh, because yeah. it, it, if you are not, if there is a question there of what is taking place or what is being done of the evidence that is gathered, especially in this state, where you damn well know there have been so That's many right. problems, That's especially right. with the prosecution of black men over That's the course right. of uh, uh, so many years and with these juries. And you saw what happened in the uh, in, in the movie with, with Brian Stevenson, yeah. uh, you know, in the book and and what what took place and, and how the sheriff and how the prosecutors and how these people work to cover this thing up. And it's just like today with this uh, with Nathaniel Woods case, you know, Steve Marshall sent a letter to the governor uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, saying that uh, there was never a plea deal offered to this kid. There was absolutely a plea deal offered to this kid. They talk, and the way you know this is, is you go back through the records, through the court records. There, mm-hmm. this thing is talked about in all of these court records going back about how it was one of the main arguments for an ineffective counsel uh, that they had uh, in all the appeals here. So it wasn't like that. That this thing is just a. a to a twelfth hour, uh, whatever uh, you know, uh, plea well, here, they, and they, they're and they're trying to uh, you know trick everybody into letting this kid out by saying there was a plea deal at one time. It's it's in all of these filings where they talk about how the 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 attorney didn't understand what the prosecution had to prove, and so he uh, the kid didn't take the plea deal. That there was twenty to twenty five years. That's what they were going to not not even life. It was twenty to twenty five years that they had offered. And he was like, no, you, you're not going to do this because you cannot prove that my uh, client did anything here. Mm-hmm. And, and that, but they, they, you know, they charged him with capital murder on, on the acquaintance, uh, with the acquaintance yeah. statue that's there. And, and so that's how he ended up where he is. You know, if you don't know the story, essentially what, what took place was 
uh, Woods and, and another acquaintance of his, uh, the kid's last name is Stevenson or the guy's last name at this point, it's Stevenson. Uh, they were selling, uh, allegedly selling crack out of a house. Uh, and the police came to this house. They pretty well knew what was going on. There are also a lot of allegations at this point that the police were a little bit crooked, uh, in this and that there had been some protection money handed mm. out, mm. uh, um, and so they came to this house though, with a warrant for woods, uh, woods was inside the house. They were speaking to him. I, I mean, the way this is explained in the court documents that I read, and this is from the prosecution's, uh, documents. Now, yeah. They're speaking to him through a screen door yeah. and telling him, you know, we got a warrant for you. Come on out. And he's saying, nah, I'm not going to come out. And so they argue back and forth. They go into the house, uh, to arrest him. Uh, and he is at some point on the floor. Uh, there is talk that he said, no, okay, I surrender. Don't, 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 don't spray me with the mace. Um, and at that point, the other guy who is, who is admitted to this crime, uh, who is admitted to shooting these officers comes out and believes that Woods is being attacked by these people. Doesn't, I, he says he doesn't understand what's going on. He starts shooting kills the police officers, mm. uh, injured, uh, kills three, injures the fourth. Mm. Uh, it's a terrible crime. It's a Absolutely. terrible crime Horrible. for these kids. Yeah. And the person, the appropriate person, should be punished and is in the process of being punished mm -hmm. and admits to doing it. Mm -hmm. So, but we have this other guy who was who was simply there. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished. By all means, he should be, have been in jail for his his role in whatever took place and the, and the crimes that he committed. But... Man, you talking about execution. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about executing a guy, and at this point, with what you know, mm -hmm. that is murder. Well, you know, I, I maintain that we've got a long history of attorney generals in this state who are nothing more than damn vampires. <laughs> they, the bloodlust that they have yeah. and their willingness to build careers mm -hmm. on the backs of executed people yes. is astounding to me. I've never understood it. And, and all I can say is I'm, I'm, I'm with Curtis Mayfield. If there's a hell below, they sure as hell are going. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I, I just, it just, I, I've never understood how you could possibly sleep at night. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't you it. know, and it's not even just makes this. Me sort of, no, it, it, it makes it, me angry. Oh, yeah. oh. It's not even this sort of thing. It's the, you know, it's those, all of these cases all throughout the, the state and the country mm -hmm. where, where there is clear evidence presented mm -hmm. that a guy did not do what you've said he did. Mm -hmm. And these attorney generals and DAs will stick to that and try their damnedest to keep that person in jail, uh, you know, yeah. and, and incarcerated. When you, yeah. when you can see what's going on and the public is behind it and they can see. And there's and what kills me is, there, when you let some of these guys out, there's never any political backlash. Everybody no. agrees you've done the right thing. No political backlash for what they do, and also no reciprocity for the people who have been yes. affected. Yeah, you yeah. know, which I think is also unconscionable. I mean, Marshall argued against that for for a gentleman who was let out of prison here a few uh, years ago. Uh, again, and, just and a, a bloodlust filled vampire. Yeah. That's all he is, just like Troy King was before. Yeah, I, it's just a, it, it's just a, it, you know, that this thing with Woods though is, it, it's, it's, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a terrible deal. I hope that by the time, uh, you know, there, there is some good resolution to this mm -hmm. uh, and, and that this does not go forward because if it does, it's, it's really, it's really, really messed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of messed up though, 
uh, I believe you have our uh, our this week's nominee for Nut of the Week. I do. Uh, he is Pastor. Oh, a pastor. A pastor. E.W. Jackson. Oh. E.W. Jackson. E.W. Jackson hosts a radio program called The Awakening. Oh. And he was also the Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor of Virginia in 2013. He ran successfully for the U.S. Senate seat there in Virginia in 2018. Uh, I'm assuming also as a Republican, and um, and it was during um, and I think it was during that um, campaign, perhaps, that he said that um, Virginia Representative Bobby Scott, who represents the district in which Jackson lives, was quote an enemy of Christ, an enemy of God, unquote. For supporting reproductive and LGBTQ rights. Right. Now that's all past though. Right, Let's right, right. With the present. Yeah. Let's okay. stay with the present. So, uh, Pastor E. W. Jackson said on his The Awakening radio show. He said this just um, this week. He said um, that the quote homo virus unquote <laughs> is devastating the American family and society. Here's the full quote, Josh. The last thing in the world the black community needs is more destruction of the family, more attacks on the family, and that's all this whole homosexual movement amounts to. It's a virulent, violent attack. You know what? I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but this is right off the presses. It is the homo virus for the family. Yeah, that's um, that's some serious nut jobbery right there. It uh, is. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that... You know, it has been astounding to me to to watch uh, pastors and, and you know alleged men of, of faith um, excuse away and and explain away and participate in some of the hateful, uh, despicable sort of acts of this current Trump administration and the things that have gone on and, and have excused. Things. Well, I mean, a lot of the same people who attacked Obama for some of the most minor things that you've ever seen in your life, uh, but now are excusing away, you know, the paying off of the of the porn star, the yeah. you know the uh, all, you know the locking the kids in cages, the grabbing them by the yeah, you know, private parts. Yeah, I mean, just the 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 things that they have been willing to overlook uh, here. Oh, it's all about forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness. Oh, got a forgiving God. And, God who, God. Christians are, believe in grace. Who are we to to judge what's in a man's heart? Really? Right, really, you know. But we do that all the yeah. with everybody else. But yeah. then with Trump, all of a sudden, oh, yeah. it's all about grace and forgiveness. Well, you know, he is a he is a big Bible guy. You know, I mean, right? And really, yeah, he's, he's, two he, Corinthians. Yeah, they brought up the two yeah, Corinthians, two Corinthians, and yeah. uh, I mean, uh, you know, really. Who better to judge than the second of the two Corinthians? You know, I mean, uh, if you're gonna, I didn't realize there were only two. Yeah, I, I know. Maybe well, there was a whole group yeah, of people. You know what? Who's counting? Two Corinthians. That's Who's where it's counting? at. That's yeah. that's what I've heard. And uh, yeah. but it, it it really is. Uh, you know, there there's study after study that you see now in, in polling that shows that you know uh, people kind of fleeing the church mm-hmm. um, uh, in large droves in, in America, and and I I got to suspect that there's a correlation here. Well, uh, look, I'm going to tell you as a church going person, somebody who's in church most. Uh, for me, it's Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I'm a Seventh Day Adventist, so for me, it's Saturdays, but. A lot of my good Baptist friends, Catholic friends, Presbyterian friends who go on Sunday. You know, 
as a good as good church going people, we know that that rule number one is supposed to be mm-hmm. love people unconditionally. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what we believe that the Bible teaches, and that's who we believe God is. Yeah. So, how are you loving people unconditionally when you are? denigrating them in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're treating them as less than people and you are dismissing the the reality of what people who are on the LGBTQ spectrum have experienced. Mm-hmm. The prejudice, the bigotry, mm-hmm. and also just the anxiety yeah. of, of growing up in a society where you are constantly getting messages that you're not normal mm-hmm. and that your way of loving and seeing people is not normal. Mm-hmm. On top of all of that, this is to me is the is the real kicker here when you're talking about especially black ministers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know I'm going to get it, maybe even from my own pastor. He may fuss at me about this. <laughs> I love my pastor, but hey, we just have to disagree on this one. Uh-huh. Here's the kicker for me. If you look at how many black artists and musicians Mm -hmm. have contributed to the music of the church, especially the black church, Mm -hmm. who by all accounts are gay Mm -hmm. or lesbian. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that it is the height of hypocrisy and the most twisted kind of irony Mm -hmm. to then go on these rampages against people who are are on the LGBTQ spectrum. It doesn't make sense to me. And we all know that if you remove that, if you disqualified all the music that Mm -hmm. has been written and produced and created by people on the LGBTQ spectrum Mm -hmm. from the church, I don't know what we'd be singing and I don't know who'd be playing for us and directing our choirs and playing the instruments. I really don't know. Not not across the board. I'm not saying everybody is on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. but many people are. Yeah. Many yeah. You know, uh, my uh, my my point of view has has consistently been um, just just respect people and and you know respect what their decisions are privately. Yes. Uh, respect what they're doing. Give them the same rights that you would hope to have exactly. there. Uh, don't stand in the way of people because of your own. Uh, beliefs, your own what what holdups on on things, your own yes. qualms about the uh, about stuff. Don't let that get in the way of other people enjoying their lives. Things, yes. especially you know when the what they're doing has zero impact on your life. That's right. uh, you know, and and they don't. And at the, if you truly believe what you believe that this is a sin or this or whatever, well, you know what, let. Let the God that you believe in sort that out, hey, you know, that's it. Uh, and, that's it. and you just go on and care for those people because, you know, I got to think that uh, if you're judging on the scale of sin here, that what uh, what they're doing is a lot less sinful than the directive you have to treat everybody with love and respect. Thank you. Uh, you, you just. Know. Are so, you a preacher in your uh, spare time? I am. I, like and listen, you, and, you, and you can donate to my ministry. Uh, at, uh, and I'm going to give you my cash app. Uh, you can just send it on over to Venmo me or cash at me uh, anytime you'd like. Uh, just uh, and, and glory be. Amen. Uh, that's right. Amen. Uh, in his eye. Now, all right, that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up for uh, for this week here on Alabama Politics this week. I am Josh Moon. That is the person. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks, guys. 
guys, quick favor to ask here. You wouldn't mind. Wherever you download the pod from, uh, just leave us a rating and a review, please. Just something, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, let us know. Or just click the stars and uh, let us see the rating that's there. Appreciate it.